Well, here we are back in our sermon series that we've titled Spirit-Filled Family. Spirit-Filled Family. And we've been walking through the book of Ephesians uh, for the past couple of years, and we've landed all the way in Ephesians chapter 5. And I always like to tell us that because sometimes you may be tempted to think, man, I think he was thinking about me when he preached that message. And you're right, he was, him, he, he was, but, but it wasn't me. I was just thinking about what verse is next uh, in the book, and we've landed here in Ephesians chapter 5 where God begins to give us his instruction and his glorious design for what we know as family, family. So if you're ready to eat today, say ready. ready. If you're hungry for God's word, say let's eat. let's eat. All right, well, Father, before we eat right now, Jesus. We ask you one more time to quiet and still our hearts. And God, would you sit down next to us this morning through this sermon and speak? Pray this prayer with me. Everybody in church right now, if you're watching this online, say, Lord, give me ears that hear and a heart that receives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Just want to remind you that this Ephesians 5 letter has an audience to it. We saw that in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I'll show you these verses on the screen really quick. The text says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Say this with me, to the saints. To the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The audience today on display, who the letter's going to, is to the saints. Now, let me remind you one more time. A saint isn't a little bobblehead that you put on your dashboard in your car as it was something special that could protect you on your journeys. That's not a saint. A saint is somebody who's received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their lives. They pass from death to life have become a new creation, are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the true saint, and then get placed in the category of saint because of their faith in Christ. In in essence, Christians are really just little Christs, right? We're, We're filled with the very person and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins living his life in us and through us, and that's why we're called saints. So Paul's now addressing the saints in the city of Ephesus. It's really important that we catch that Because today, if you're not a saint, one, the invitation is there to you. We'd love for you to become a saint by receiving Jesus. Join the club of misfits, hypocrites, sinful people here in our city that have recognized I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and have fallen at the feet of Jesus and said, I surrender and I submit to your will for my life. The good news is, even better than that, is that God says my will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. It's going to turn out good. It's the best decision you can make. Uh, but if you're not a saint today, if you're not filled with the Spirit, if, you, if, you don't, if, you, if, if you're not on Jesus' team, some of the things that you're going to hear today are just not going to make sense because this is a letter that was written with the assumption that those who would read it would be people saved. All right? And so the invitation is there. And if some of this doesn't make sense, it doesn't fit in your box of worldviews, That's okay. Don't get offended. Stay for the rest of the sermon. We love you. Keep coming. Take the three-week challenge. Trust the Lord. We we would love to invite you into a charge group to be a part of our church family to take that next step and and go at your pace. Um, But some of the things might not make total sense. So turn with me to Ephesians 5. 
We'll, we'll begin in verse 18, and we'll go into our, our text for today. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, or like as one translation said, for that will ruin your life. That's what the text says. But in, in contrast to that, be filled with the Spirit. So we're talking about what it means and looks like to be filled to the brim, to overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what it looks like. It looks like addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That we have the joy of the Lord, a song of the Lord, the word of the Lord in us. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are in our heart. We start talking with each other in such a life-giving way is what that's talking about. Uh, singing. Singing is a part of being spirit-filled. The, the Lord delights in singing. If you go to heaven right now, there is singing and lots of it. And it's loud and it's powerful and it's strong. And so the Spirit delights in our singing. And so spirit-filled living is addressing and singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. If you're not totally comfortable with singing yet, that's okay. Make a melody to the Lord in your heart. And giving and giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in our name in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, spirit-filled living looks like giving and, and also submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And submitting, that, that word right there, I, sometimes we, we find ourselves checking all those boxes like, I'm all right with addressing and singing and making and giving, but submitting, that just feels weird. And what we've been on a journey trying to, um, trying to redeem, if we would, is this phrase, Submission. All of us are living in and under submission some way or another. If anything, James 4 says, submit to God. So submission is not a bad thing. Submission is a God thing. It's a good thing. It's a thing that he instructs for us to do. And he says here, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You have such a reverence for Christ, such a fear of the Lord in a healthy way. Where you take God so serious and your relationship with him so serious that even toward one another, we say, hey, I love you. I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to submit to you out of joy, not out of duty. And so spirit-filled living looks like spirit-filled submission. And now Paul pivots just for a slight moment and says, okay, where should we start with our spirit-filled submission? That was last week's sermon. Paul says, start with your spirit-filled submission in the family. That spirit-filled submission with one another shouldn't just take place at the church. How weird would it look if you had, had no spirit-filled submission at home, but when you got to church and you were doing everything for everybody at the church? It's backwards. I wasn't expecting a clap there, but I like it. Amen. Right? And we've seen that in culture before. We've seen that be backwards. And so Paul says, hey, look, this should start with the family because the family is the foundation of society. So goes the family, so goes everything. And God is a God of family. So he picks it up in verse 22. Verse 21 leads us to 22, which says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling Spirit-Filled Wives. Spirit-Filled Wives. I believe that everybody can learn from this message, not just wives in the room or aspiring wives in the room, but all types of people in different places in their walk in life 
can dig in and learn from this message. Now, one more time. If I were to have chosen where I would have went today, I would have started with spirit-filled husbands. I would have. I feel more comfortable talking to my group, all right? <laughs> I, feel, I feel more comfortable addressing the spirit-filled husband verses that are challenging to the fullest, the toughest verses in the Bible that I would say are coming up in a couple of weeks. But I realized that the next verse happened to deal with spirit-filled wives. So we don't do a pick-and-choose thing here. We just ask God, what's the next verse? And then we talk about it, and we believe God has fresh words for us today. Remember, he says, be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another. Wives, submit to your own Husbands, we're actually going to do a two-part series on spirit-filled wives. Y'all know me. I can only do one verse at a time because there's so much in there. I'll try to get to 24 and 25 if I can, but if not, we're going to do spirit-filled wives part two the following week. After that, we're going to do spirit-filled husbands part one, spirit-filled husbands part two. Then we're going to do spirit-filled marriage together, how they work together, and, and, and it's going to be really good. And after that, it's going to be spirit-filled parenting and then spirit-filled children. We got a word for everybody. <clears throat> Come on, take a six-week challenge, okay? Take a, ten, take a whole year challenge. Take a life challenge. <clears throat> Plug into this thing. <laughs> take a life challenge. I like that. Spirit-filled wives, uh, part one. Uh, is everybody okay? Take a breath. We okay? We're going to do this thing together. Come on, give the person next to you a fist pound. Say, let's do this. Come on, let's do this. <clears throat> Verse 22, very specific. It says, wives, submit to your own husband's as to the Lord. Let's go ahead and bold this word, wives. Wives. Uh, the Apostle Paul brings up this word, wives. What a special and powerful word. Now, I want to be very clear here. When he says wives, it's the actual Greek word, gune. Gune. And the definition of gune, which is very important that we understand, it means a woman of any age who is betrothed or married to a man. That is what the word gune means. See, it's tricky because today in 2020, people could be tempted to take this word and make it something that it's not. This is a gender-specific word. I say that with sensitivity. I say that with caution. And I say that with confidence. I've looked at the, I wanted to make sure I really knew what this word wives meant and what it didn't mean. At its plainest, 2,000 years ago, it meant a female of any age that is betrothed, which means a next level engagement, better than our Americanized engagements, a real engagement, or somebody who had already been married specifically to a man. That's what this word means. And the reason why we say that is because this word husbands is the Greek word anir, which means a man who is married. Another gender specific... It, it doesn't say right here, gune, submit to your own gune. It doesn't say, anir, submit to your own. So let's be careful not to change this to say something that it doesn't say. This is specific in the spirit-filled direction. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. I thought it would be fitting if we journeyed back to find the first ever wife and said, let's learn from when God himself designed and created marriage. Later on in Ephesians chapter 5, a few verses later, Paul says, for as the writer said, and he quotes from Genesis 2, 
Let us look to Genesis now as well. Genesis chapter 2, we're going back thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago to the first ever marriage. How about God instituted marriage and officiated the first ever outdoors marriage right, in a garden? And it was beautiful with a, a, a near, a man named Adam and a woe man named Eve. Here's how it happened. Let's go ahead and look back at this episode in spirit-filled family. <clears throat> then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Amen. I was waiting for one. I was... My brother. I was waiting for one. It is not good that man should be alone. God was surveying his creation. He had made Adam, the man, and he recognized this is the first ever it's not good moment in the Bible. Everything up to this point was God made the trees, it was good. God made the fish, and it was good. God made the land, and it was good. God made the food, and it was good. God made the man, and it was good. But God noticed that man was alone. He said, that's not good. I once heard it put like this in a humorous way. Uh, because it says that God gave Adam the task to name the animals. Have you ever thought about this? Like, in naming the animals, you know, Adam got really creative at first. He was like, that right there, rhinoceros. <laughs> that right there, platypus. <laughs> Zebra. And, and, then, and then it just got, he got more and more bored. He was like, B. Ant. He's like, I'm done with it. And God's like, I, this, 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 he needs help. He, needs, he was doing really good, and then he just was like, eh, cat, you know. Let's get out of here, you know. So it's not good that man should be alone. He needs help. So here's what I'm going to do. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the text says, whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. How about God gave the man this authority, this leadership component to name things and to keep the garden and to work. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And when he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with the flesh, the surgeon God, right, doing his work. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Some have said that Adam was like, whoa, man, whoa. This is a whoa, whoa. Because she, she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, key marriage verses here, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. No amens there either. Okay. Uh, anyways, moving on. Um, one thing that, about this text I think is really valuable when thinking about spirit-filled family, and specifically spirit-filled wives, is verse 18. 
Lord help us. Verse 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. We've talked about that for a minute. He says, I will make a helper fit for him. I'll make a helper fit for him. Now, this, this verse, if, uh, Genesis 2.18, has been a verse under attack. It's been a verse under scrutiny because many have read this verse, one, out of its context, Two, without a spirit of humility. And, and, and three, poorly. What I mean by poorly is they've read this verse as if it were to mean something second class for the wife. As if it would be some type of demotion or some type of second tier role in the marriage life for her to become a helper for the husband. I want to pull a grenade launcher out. And blow that misuse of thinking up. Here's, here's why it's important for us to understand that. That word helper, though our English language doesn't fully grasp the meaning of the word helper, it's the Hebrew word ezir. Everybody say ezir. Come on, extend it a little bit. Ezir. Ezir, right? Uh, this word ezir means one who brings aid, one who brings help, and not just help, but strong, life-giving help. Why do I add those adjectives? Here's why. Look at me. Listen to me. I need everybody to hear me on this. This word is used 20 other times in the Old Testament alone. Every single other use of ezir is used to describe God. The one and, the one and only time, amen, the one and only time Ezir is used in any other placement is in reference to spirit-filled wives. For, for example, Psalm chapter 33, verse 20. I said, let me do a search of Ezir. Here's, the, here's one, Psalm 33, 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our Ezir and our Shield. How about in Exodus 18:4 when God delivered the people out of the hands of Pharaoh? Moses says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta name my son. What should I name him? Well, the name of the other was Eleazar, based off of Azir, for he said, The God of my father was my Azir, my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. I want to name my son Eleazar. How about John 14, verse 26? We jump to the New Testament. We see similar language when God says, I'm sending you my Holy Spirit who is going to fill you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This isn't a second-class word. This is the word that describes God. What a boost to be able to say, God said, I'm going to express myself through spirit-filled wives. How, what if, husbands, what if, let me talk to you for a second. Husbands, what if God said, I'm going to help you, I promise you. Because as a husband, I'm always calling out to the Lord for help. Lord, I need help. As a dad, Lord, I need help. As a pastor, I need help. And God says, I know, I'm going to help you through your wife. I'm going to be the Ezir for you. That's why I've raised her up to express me. 
somehow we've gotten off on the wrong path that, man, I'm a helper. I'm no helper. So you, you, are, you de, are you devaluing God? Because God's a helper. God owns the title Ezir. God says, call on me for help. God says, I want to be your help. God says, reach out to me for help. The psalmist says, we cried to the Lord and he Ezir'd. And God says, all right, I'm going to give that same title to spirit-filled wives. This is a calling. This is a gift. This is a gender-specific role. It doesn't mean that husbands are not called to help. It doesn't mean that children are not called to help. We're all called to submit to one another in, 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 a, in a capacity. We're all called to help each other in some capacity. But this right here is a God-given directive help specific to wives for their husbands. We're talking about spirit-filled wives, and I think it's important that we, we talk about spirit-filled roles. And I know that that's a very touchy subject as well. Part of the dynamic when it comes to roles, it, it follows two different thoughts when it comes to worldviews. There's different ways of thinking, different worldviews. In the theological realm, or even the philo philosophical realm, these two different categories are called, one, egalitarian, or two, complementarian. I want to pull up a little slide on the screen to talk about the two different ways of thinking. So most people, when it comes to philosophy or theology, are, in, are on one side of the other. And if you're not on one side of the other, then your opinion don't count anyway, all right? You don't even know where you're at. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. Get a stance. Get a stance. Husbands in the room, men of God in the room, get a stance. And I'm going to share with you our stance. We have a very clear stance here at Walk Church. Our family has a clear stance. So one stance would be a, a complementarian view. A complementarian view is the view that men and women are created equal in the sight of God, yet have different but complementary roles and responsibilities in marriage, family life, and religious leadership by definition. An egalitarian view is the view that men and women are created equal in the sight of God, and they together equally share the same roles and responsibilities in marriage, family life, and religious leadership. These are the two ways of thinking, and both have elements of truth within them. To be very clear, where Walk Church would stand is very much unapologetically complementarian. We would say, clap, clap, we can clap if we want, but I, I would just say, if you were to ask me, why are we complementarian? I would just say, because that's what's biblical. As I study the word of God, I can change any of my thinking worldview thoughts at all. None of them are mine. I am in complete submission to God. I'm letting God draw my lines for me. Hayden, what's your stance on X, Y, and Z? I don't know. What's God say about it? I didn't create this. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a submitter at best. God's drawn my line. Why do you believe that? Well, because I believe, that's what God drew. He drew that line for me. So I just stay. I'm a basketball player. I stay in the lines. There's a boundary line there. I'm not going up to it. I'm trying to stay in the game. The Bible teaches from Genesis to Revelation that men and women are absolutely 
created equal in the image and sight and practice of God. That there is not one better than the other. We are equally created in the image of God, men and women, male and female. There's nobody superior. There's nobody inferior. We are both equally created in the image of God. And at the same time, God has gracefully, distinctively given us specific roles. Not only has he given us specific roles, he's given us specific giftings to complement our roles. These roles are specific to marriage. Throughout the Bible, we see these roles specific to family life. We see these roles specific to religious leadership in some capacities throughout the scripture. The egalitarian view is to say, hey, we believe all about the equality things as far as the image of God. We do believe that. Yet at the same time, husbands can do wives' roles. Wives can do husbands' roles. And children can do husbands' roles. And, you know, all types of, we, we're all, we can all do, we can cross any of those lines. Because we're all equal. And what that does is it completely eliminates Ephesians 5.22. In order to have a right understanding of Ephesians 5.22, you have to have a stance. Because if you're here, this message feels difficult. The message already feels difficult. If it's here, this message feels wrong. Or all that stuff about helper feels off. But I would say, hey, pick a stance and for me, I've searched the Bible, books, chapters, and verses. This is my profession. This is my vocation. I have a master's degree in it. I'm not trying to boast about anything. I am limited in my input and understanding. I need help. I'm growing. But as much as I've found, the Bible speaks of a complementarian view where it says husbands complement their wives with their role and gift. Wives complement their husbands with their role and gift. And when they do it together, God says, that's good. That's good. In the book of Genesis, it says that Adam was naming, leading, creating, blessing, serving. Eve was helping. And God said, this is very good. The only time God says very good was when, was when male and female were, were functioning in their gifts and in their roles. And so we see back in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, wives, submit your to your own husbands as to the Lord. It's important that we get our thinking from God when it comes to marriage, when it comes to wives' roles and husbands' roles. It's important that we don't just come up with our own clever decisions because we come up with a lot of bad ideas and wrongful thinking. God says, my ways are not your ways, but you can learn my ways. I like how James Montgomery Boyce says, he says, the place to begin in any discussion of marriage is with the fact that marriage is God's idea and that is a good idea. It is a good idea because it comes from God who never had a bad idea. Amen? He didn't. So we're saying, God, what's your idea of spirit-filled wives? What's your idea of spirit-filled husbands? And let's just do that. Verse 22 says, wives, we've got a context for wives the text now says, submit to your own husbands. Last week, we talked about what this word submit means. It means hupoteso. 
means to put yourself under the leadership of. It's originally a military word, which really doesn't help us too much right now, but it's this concept of saying, okay, this person's my leader. I'm going to follow in line with what the direction they tell me is. And I'm trusting that my leader knows what's best. Saying, okay, trusting that you're hearing from the sergeant, the, the boss. I'm following your leadership. That's what the word submit means by definition, right? We see it's to arrange under, to subject, to put in subjection, even to obey. Some of your translations say, wives, be subject to your husbands. It means to yield oneself to the authority or will of another. That's, that's what it means. I want to talk to you about what it means for wives to have spirit-filled submission to your husband and for aspiring couples to get these principles now so that they can help you in your journey. Like how John Piper says it, he says, submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. Wives, see your calling as a divine calling. Fiance wives, <laughs> see your role as one who's called to live out spirit-filled submission as a divine calling to honor your husband and future husband, to affirm your husband's leadership. There's nothing more valuable, I don't think, then when a husband hears from their wife, I trust you, I'm following you, lead me, I honor you, I affirm your leadership. That's a boost to husbands to say, okay, God, I got to get with you. Lord, I need your help. Lead me so I can lead your daughter. That, that's spirit-filled submission and spirit-filled Marriage through spirit-filled wives. The ESV study Bible says this submission is in deference to the ultimate leadership of the husband for the health and harmonious working of the marriage relationship. This type of submission that we're talking about here is, is going to help the marriage relationship be harmonious, says the ESV study scholars. They're saying for, for your marriage to have the anointing that God wants for it to have, there has to be an element of spirit-filled wives living out spirit-filled submission to their husbands. And there's no other way to view it. Now, this message could feel very one-sided, like, whoa, what's up with all the wives talk? This is diverse. We're going to go to the husbands soon. <laughs> But we don't want to rush past this verse just because it's difficult because this, this verse might save some marriages in the room today. For, for, for some wives to grasp this point of spirit-filled submission doesn't mean you're going to be perfect all the time. doesn't mean you're going to have it figured out every time. It, it means you're saying, okay, God has a calling on my life, and I'm not going to argue with him. Even if that looks like I have to deny myself sometimes. Hear, hear me, wives. Sometimes you may have to deny yourself in order to be obedient to the Lord. Amen. And that is not Haydn's wisdom. Let me show you Luke 9, 23. 
Luke 9 says, come on, let's all read it because it's a verse for all of us, even though we're implying it specific toward spirit-filled submission. Let's read it together. One, two, three. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. There will be times, wise, where you may be under this inclination that I have to deny myself. I got to even take up my cross in order to submit to you, Lord, through submitting to my husband. That's what it looks like. But hopefully, if your husband, and it's heavy on the if, if your husband is submitted to God and he's loving you the way he's supposed to, then it won't be a burden or a duty to do your call. But, 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 even if your husband's not, even with the spirit of submissiveness, by the Holy Spirit in you, you can still accomplish Ephesians 5.22. Because I, I know that there's some marriages in the room, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, forgive me for assuming, but in a group this size, there may be some wives here thinking right now, I, I want to submit to my husband. Give me something to submit to. We have a passivity in our culture today that's killing families. Too many husbands are saying, wives, what do you want me to do? I'll just do that. Wives, you make the call about everything. I'll just submit to you. And that's backwards. In, in 1850, th- there was literally only three divorces out of every thousand marriages. In, in 1916, America was the leader amongst the world in divorces. Today, in 2020, 50% of married couples will get divorced. 40% of children today are growing up in a household without a father. My point is, whatever we're doing isn't working. It's broken. It's backwards. Can we just say in a spirit of humility, God, what do you want us to do? Wives, God's going to answer you, and he's going to say, submit to your husband. It's what the verse says. I've already, sometimes God's going to answer you, I've already spoken to you. Submit to your own husband. Now, at the same time, here's what that doesn't mean. Yes, it means to put yourself under submission and under subjection and under the authority even of your husband as far as when it comes to leadership. And husbands, I'm begging you, give your wife something good to submit to. Begging you, step your game up, make a decision. Don't say, do you think we should go to church today? Say, we're going to church today. I'll help you. Here's, I'm gonna get your coffee for you, okay? But we are going. Son, I'm not asking you if you want to go to youth ministry tonight. We're going. I'll get you a happy meal beforehand or after. But we're going. Hey, we're going to charge group tonight. It's, I think that there's some wives that are saying, yeah. I've been, thank you for this message. And there's some that's going to say, I got to deny myself right now. I'm trying to be around people right now. But what submission isn't is it's never abuse. 
It's never oppression. It's never inferiority. I actually want to share with you a statement that I believe to be true. And I just want to speak it over our congregation and those who may be watching online right now. I just want to make sure I say it right so I wrote it down here. Simply this. If, if today you are living in an abusive situation, it is not God's desire, nor is it God's design for you to remain in that situation. <laughs> you be clear on that. You should seek immediate help to remove yourself from that situation and find biblical counsel to guide you through your healing decision-making process and as best as we can here at walk church we will stand with you and god's grace will see you through amen Amen. we believe that to be true we believe that to be true i want to be very clear on that that spirit-filled submission from spirit-filled wives should never be a duty it should be god you've given me this calling I want to stay in my lane. I don't want to cross over to somebody else's lane. That's how we cause a crash. I want to stay in my lane, and I'm going to give 100% to my lane. My husband's only given 52. Well, that doesn't mean you should give 52. Just keep giving 100. And maybe your husband might bump up to 62. He might bump up to 72. What if God wants to use you and your help? And your submission to point your husband to the one who's even greater than him. The the next verse, and I just want to creep into verse 23 for a second, says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Right? So there is spiritual headship. We're going to talk about what that means next week. But I want to just stay in the lane of submission that, wives, let me tell you, this is a spirit-filled task. You will not be able to live out spirit-filled submission without the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me tell you what A.W. Tozer says. The revivalist A.W. Tozer put it like this. When we have the Holy Spirit, we have all that is needed to be that all that God desires us to be. Now, wives, if every day you need to say, Lord, give me an extra dose of your spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I can be who I'm called to be. Do it. If you struggle with submission, and a lot of people in our culture do, you need the Holy Spirit to convict you, guide you, comfort you, counsel you, and help you along the way. You really do. This is spirit-filled living. Husbands, if you're very passive, wake up. The Holy Spirit's going to get you into place. The Holy Spirit's going to say, get up. Lead. Make a decision in a Christ-like way. Let me give you another quote. C.H. Spurgeon says it like this. Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. Come on, say that with me. Ready? Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We're ships without wind. We're useless. You can't do this type of stuff on your own. This is Spirit-filled family. There's no way, wives, you're going to be able to get up and say, okay, husbands, I'm, I'm following your lead, even if you're not a good leader. Now, 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 your submission is to God first, so if your husband leads you to sin, you got to say, husband, now listen to my wording. Don't say, you idiot. It's a terrible decision. Excuse me. That right there, right, those who sow harsh words will get them back. 
doesn't make either party right. It's the proverb. But, but what if you did this? Husband, you know I want to follow you. You know you got my yes. I gave it to you and I covenanted before God to you. I'm going to walk with you till the end of our days. I love you. I'm submitted to you. I want you to lead us. I want to follow you. But this decision right here is sin, and i got to follow God first. I can't join you in that. But, I, but, but when you're ready to lead, I'm ready to follow. If you go about it with that phraseology, your husband might say, I'm going to reconsider. How sh- Lord, how should I best lead here? The next verse says it like this. It says, it says, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. What a, what a word here, as to the Lord. It's important that we understand this, this dynamic as to the Lord. This is a spiritual call, wives, to say I'm submitting myself not to everybody's husband, but to my own husband. Everybody say Own. Wives, you got an ownership. This is your husband. That's my husband. That's my wife. We're in this thing together. 100, 100. And you should submit to your husband as to the Lord. It's such a passionate pursuit to say, I love God so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow him in this, this role he's given me. This was something that the... Women of God in the Old and New Testament did well and didn't do well, and it didn't work out well for them. But the disciple Peter, the disciple of Jesus Peter, once wrote like this in his letter, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husbands so that, everybody say so that, so that. See, see, the same phrase, though, Ephesians 5.22 is complemented by 1 Peter 3. In Titus 2, it says, wives, love your husbands by submitting to them. It's a form of love. Wives, in the same way, submit to your husbands, to your, so yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word. Here's a verse for those who are married today whose husbands aren't here with you. Whose husbands say, I don't believe that word that you believe. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When, check this out. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, spirit-filled wives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. That's not going to win your husband. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth. Everybody say great worth in God's sight. As to the Lord, you're saying, God, I'm concerned with your sight. What are you calling me to do? He's saying, stay patient, stay gentle. Even stay quiet and stay prayed up and keep walking in me. Keep living the spirit-filled life. Watch what I will do. For this is the way that the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves 
to their own husbands. For example, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord, lowercase l. Sarah never called Abraham her God. Sarah just said, you're in authority over me as Genesis 2 says. I'm going to follow your leadership. And Abraham took her all around and explored the nations and was a man of God and made bad decisions, made better decisions. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Tell fear to go sit down. This is a God's calling for me, and it's not a burden or a duty, but a blessing. I, I, I recognize and realize that, that that is not easy. In fact, I'll give you one more quote, and then I'm going to pray. I'll give you a quote from Henry Blackaby. Henry Blackaby says it like this. He says, God's desire is to fill his people with his spirit so that others, husbands here, recognize his powerful presence in them. Wives, my prayer for you today, spirit-filled wives, my prayer for you today is that your husband sees Christ through you is that your husband sees Christ through your spirit-filled living, that the presence of the Lord in a believer's life ought to be obvious. When the spirit of Almighty God fills a believer, the believer cannot go on living as before. Husbands will see God. Others will see God. Other wives will see God. Other people will see God because of your spirit-filled living, even if your husband's not quite there yet, or even if you don't have a husband at all. Live out the spirit-filled life that God has called you to live. And trust the Lord. He's preparing you for whatever's next. This is difficult. This is challenging. But I want to pray uh, for all the wives in the room. And even a special prayer right now for those who have unbelieving husbands together. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that right now, Lord God, you would, you would show up and that you would show off, and that, Jesus, you would, Lord God, that you would comfort and guide, and that you would bless and help and heal all the marriages in the room today. God, for all the spirit-filled wives who have husbands that don't believe, God, give these spirit-filled wives, Lord God, give them extra grace. Give them extra power. <laughs> Give them extra anointing to be the wives you've called them to be. Oh, Lord, I pray that Jesus, they would have a gentle and quiet spirit and that their husbands would be won over because of their heart and love for you, God. God, I pray for all the marriages in the room together. I pray that this would be the year that they go to the next level, that this would be the year that they have a fruitful and healthy year, that their communication would be sweet. I pray husbands would lead this year like they've never led before. I pray wives would say, I'm going to submit and trust you. Trust you, Lord, and trust my husband. And that, God, you, I just pray favor and grace in that conversations to, from coming out of this message would be healthy. And God, give them grace in their communication. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So I thought it would be valuable uh, for you guys not just to hear from me today, but hear from my spirit-filled wife, uh, Nina Ratner. Come on, let's give it up for... 
for her, the lovely, beautiful Nina Ratner. Grateful to, to, to share the stage with you today. This is a tough, this is a tough message. Yeah. This is a tough passage. And um, I'm limited uh, in my experience uh -huh. <laughs> uh, completely. Uh, but I have had a front row seat into the life of a spirit-filled wife for the last eight years. We just celebrated eight, which means, amen, amen, which means that we don't necessarily have all the experience in the world. For example, Dean and Dorlisa, who celebrated 38, were like, that was 30 years ago, um, which means we have great wisdom yes. in the room today. Yes. Peter and Ruth, how long have you guys been married? 40. 40. <laughs> Coming up. Coming up. That's awesome. Um, my point is that there's a lot of experience in the room, but I want to go ahead and lean into some of our story. How, how does this message land on you today? Maybe there's some wives that have some thoughts circulating, some stuff in their heart. When it comes to spirit-filled submission, spirit-filled wives, mm -hmm. uh, what are some things going on in your mind? Well, I thought you did an excellent job um, at mm, that message, thank you. right? Appreciate that. Um, thank you. For being a man and a husband. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I thought you did a really good job of the disclaimers that we really want to put out there as far as submission goes. Um, never into sin, never into um, an abusive relationship. Um, but for those who are striving to live a spirit filled marriage, it's the submissive wife is all about allowing the Holy Spirit of God to do it through you. Amen. It's, if you're saying, I can't do that, I can't do that, then you're in the right place. Because when you can't is when the Lord will say, I can. Amen. I can do it through you. If you would just yeah, deny yeah. yourself, if you would just live a humble life, I'll work through you and I'll do it That's in good. and through you. Um, I had read a, an awesome article online from the Gospel Coalition. Um, it's a network of evangelical churches and leaders, and um, they put out these articles. And I thought it was so awesome that one of them that I came across this week had said, why listen to sermons that don't apply to me? And I loved that because when I opened it, I was like, I could share this with, you know, those who maybe aren't married or feel called to singleness um, or whatever it is. And, you know, the first couple points were if you take out this truth of biblical marriage, then you're basically picking and choosing what you want to learn about from the Bible. And so that's why it's important for those who are outside of this, who it doesn't apply to, um, to really see it through a gospel lens of this helps me understand the gospel more. This helps me understand the gospel. Amen. And so, um, that's a good word. Yeah, it is. you know, I, I was listening also to a message from Lisa Chan. Uh, her and her husband, Francis Chan, are now moving their lives overseas. They're going to be missionaries internationally. And um, he planted a very successful church in California. They're amazing authors in case you want some resources to help disciple you in spirit-filled marriage. And, you know, I wrote down this quote. I want to read it to you from Lisa Chan. And she says, that our motivation is always a need to honor God. Your behavior will have an impact on him in the submissive wife. And I remember um, there was a Sunday morning, and we were getting into an argument. <laughs> um, typically happens on a Sunday morning if we even see each other. <laughs> Usually he's like, I'm out the door. And um, I can't even remember what it was about, but just back and forth, back and forth. And... I stood right next to him, and I 
just for a second, as my flesh was battling, thought, man, I could, I could, just, I could just say da 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 and destroy him right now mm. and really hurt hey. him and, and cause him to stumble in his preaching and do what he is called to do and hinder his dream. And it was like, just for a second, I was like, Lord, please do it. Do it. Be Holy Spirit in me. Help me to submit to my husband. And in that moment, God is so faithful to answer our prayers, right? And he just allowed me to wrap my arms around my husband and say, okay, I forgive you. <laughs> and it changed everything. That's a good word. It changed yeah. everything because yeah. he was able to come here and to preach. He can't do these type of things unless we're in alignment. Amen? Facts. You guys have the best pastor. Mm. And I don't say that to just blow him. Like, he is really, really faithful to you guys. Um, but before he's faithful to you guys, he's faithful to me. Amen. Amen. And so Amen. I knew yeah. in that moment, like, I I have, just like you talked about um, the the Greek word, mm -hmm. how it is, it's an expression of God. Yeah, azir. Yep. Yes, azir. It was like in that moment, God gave me so much freedom to see you have power as a helpmate to bring a life to your husband by submission or to bring death. I mean, to wow. literally just destroy wow. him in an instant where he would leave the house and it would be really hard for him to recover. Yeah. So. No. Amen. Yeah. So good. Yeah. She just said something. <laughs> she just said something that caught my attention today. Um, I, I want to see if we can pull it up on the screen. It's Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12 yeah. today. Um, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. I was reading Proverbs 12 today. Yep. I try to start every day with the proverb, and here's what the proverb of the day said today. It says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Yep. That's what you're How saying. How fitting. <laughs> you wear a crown to For show today. off. Yeah. You know, like, she, she, she compliments. Right. What, what a beauty. Uh, but she who brings shame is like rottenness to his bones. Right? And that's death. And that's, that's death. That's, that makes him sick. Mm -hmm. That why would we want to take our power in you know denying the submissiveness that God has called us to and just bring death? Why would we want to do that to our husbands? It's you know, don't we want to bring life? Don't we want to be life giving? And it's through Christ and his Holy Spirit that he's gonna breathe that life out through us. Right. Amen. One, one thing that we've tried to do and make a practice of, we haven't been perfect at it, but it's been helpful for us, is um, try to maximize date nights. Uh, I, I'm a believer and a proponent that every couple should do a date night once a week, which I know is a lot and could be expensive, but you have to use discernment. Uh, do a free date night. Go to a park. Go, you know, you don't got to go to Morton's Steakhouse. Go to, go to you know, Come on, go, somebody. go to Chick-fil-A. Amen. <laughs> Right? Um, go to Taco Bell. Well, maybe not Taco. Do what you got to do. Um, but, but when you do have a date night, yeah. to, to make time to ask meaningful questions. To not just talk about any old thing, but to ask meaningful questions. I know this is something that, that I've, I've talked to Pastor Ryan about, that I've learned some of these meaningful questions from you. But one question that I've tried to implement in our date nights is spirit-filled questions that, sp that are specific to our roles. For example, I'm called to lead my wife. 
So I'll say this, and I did this just last night because I had to get it in before today, right? <laughs> I went on a date night last night. It was great. And I said, how am I doing as a leader? Now, I have to go ahead and go, <sighs> all right, wait, let me get everything. All right, I'm ready now. You know? Yeah. And, and, and then she said, how am I doing as a helper? Mm-hmm. What are areas that, that, I'm, that I can do a better job helping you in? Mm-hmm. What are areas that I'm not helping you in that you need me to help you in? What are areas that I need to more sacrificially lay my life down? For example, to give you a trailer for spirit-filled husbands, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. There's no greater sacrificial love than Christ in the church. So I'm, uh, how, what do I sacrificially need to do to love you better? And I, I, I need to create honest space. Whatever you say there, I'm not going to get offended. Yeah. I'm asking the question, what areas am, am I not submitting to that I need to or that you think would be more healthy as you lovingly Christ-like love me? Those type of conversations, if you have those conversations, create space for those conversations without kids. I'll tell you what, the enemy would love to jump in and throw off those conversations. But if you create space for them that's unrushed, mm-hmm. tell the waiter, hold up, waiter. He'll come back. I'm listening in right now. Right? That, that, yeah. Those are things. Maybe in one more minute. What are th- yeah. some things yeah. that have been helpful for you in this role? Yeah. So I think... Being um, in the place of a helpmate and talking about submission, it's really important to, to know that when we're talking about spirit-filled, that's personal. It's a deeper thing than just us and marriage. Before I'm married to him, I'm ultimately married to the Lord, right? And so, and before we are with each other, we're ultimately having a personal relationship with the Lord, right? So, so those thing, those relationships come before ours. If I'm having a hard time submitting to him, it's a submission submission issue with the Lord. I answer to him first, right? And so it's if you're having a hard time in being submissive, you can ask yourself, am I submitting to the Lord? Because ultimately, that's what comes first. You know, we, we have a savior. It's not each other. No. We're not each other's everything. No. We're not each other's number one. No. We're, we're, we are one flesh, amen, right, in the union of marriage, and it's such a gift, but it's not our identity, so it's been so helpful to just remember, my identity is in Christ, he is a gift, my identity is in Jesus, I'm a gift, right, and so I think that's just been really helpful to remember that even when it's hard to submit, it's a a life of denial that Jesus ultimately calls us to do something that's Outside of yeah. our flesh, yeah. and we just have to depend on him. And there's going to be husbands that are going to have to deny their selfish need to play video games to lead their wife. It's gonna be, you're going to have to deny yourself, some husbands in the room, to say, okay, i got to lead this year. And, and, and we're praying that your wife would, would live out what Nina just shared in spirit-filled submission. I want to quote Proverbs 31, if we have it on the screen, Proverbs 31. <laughs> I want to quote it over you, uh, Proverbs 31. Um, this is a direct word uh, for my wife, Proverbs 31, verse 30. It says, charm is deceitful. Don't be swayed mm-hmm. by the charm, fellas. Right. Beauty is vain. It's not going to last that long. Uh, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen. Amen. And I want to praise God for you. 
Our church, we praise God for you and your insight. There's only one other place in the Bible that it says someone's worthy of praise. That's God. So God is saying, hey, I'm sharing some of the worthiness, just some of it, to spirit-filled wives. Yeah. You're, you're, you're worthy to be yeah. lowercase p praise. Right, right. Amen. <laughs> this is the way we talk to we'll each other. In you know what? Um, I just want to speak a word just real quick because I feel like, um, you know, in talking about the Proverbs 31, right? Um, when I submit to you and when I forgive you and when we work this thing called marriage, right? Yeah. When I love you at your best, it's awesome. But when I love him at his worst, that's when I'm most like Christ. Woo! I had I to stand right there. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's when That's it's when hardest like to love, Thank right? We have Thank to you. remember our personal relationships, mm -hmm. right, with the Lord. Because when we look at ourselves and we think, Jesus, you lived the perfect life that we could not live. Yeah, yeah. You died the sacrificial death that we deserve to die. And you loved us so much that you raised from the grave. You allow us to be set free to walk in a relationship with you. And Jesus does not put us to shame. If yeah. you feel shamed right now for your past sin or for your old life, you're not walking in the newness of life. We are not put under shame. Nobody is condemned when they're under Christ. And so when we're so walking in marriage, so he good. should not ever have to walk in shame because that's not how Jesus treats him. Even wow. at his worst, even wow, on wow, his wow. worst day, even if I'm really annoyed or he, or, or he did something wrong. Yeah. You know your pastor is not yeah. perfect, right? No, no, no. So even if he does something wrong, Often, the freedom yeah. there is, you know what? I'm going to forgive you as Christ forgives you. doesn't make it right, but you have to answer to the Lord. You have your own personal relationship Come with the on, Lord. Lord. You need to take that up with him. And so I just want to bring freedom to, you know, clarity that wow. when wow. when it's difficult, that's so when good. you're most like Christ. So well, just be encouraged with that. Well, do this, baby. Would yes. you pray for all the spirit-filled wives in the yes. room? And then we're going to um, have our ushers come down and awesome. take up our tithe and offering. All right. Let me pray for us. God, Lord Jesus Christ, we just come before you, Lord, and are so, so Thank humbled, you. Lord, that yeah. you would... Um, call upon us, Lord, just um, as servants mm -hmm. at your feet, Lord, yeah. to do whatever you want us to do, God. Yes, God. I pray that we would just con just live a life of surrender, God. I pray over all the spirit-filled wives, Jesus, that they would continue to submit to you, Jesus, first. That they would remember in the hard moments that ultimately they answer to you first. Yes, God. And so does their husband, Lord. So that um, that will be a freeing moment for them. That they can walk um, in purity and in freedom and um, just knowing yes, that they are striving to live at peace, that they are striving to do what they are called to do, um, and that in doing so, that will win their husband over Jesus. Um, Lord, I just pray that you will bring comfort to yeah. the situations that aren't um, spirit-filled. Lord, that you would grant people an opportunity to fully rely on you, Jesus, to Jesus. call on you as Lord and Savior, Lord, to ask for your spirit to fill their lives yes, so God. that they may change Lord, for the better, for your oh. good and our joy, God, and for the freedom that you have called us to. We love you so much, God, and we just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, one more time. Let's give it up for the Lord working today. Amazing. Thank you for sharing powerfully. Thank you so much.